Thanks for visiting studiolighting.net. You're listening to Light Source. And welcome to episode 20 of Light Source, the official podcast of studiolighting.net, the website that introduces photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer and image inspector with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, episode 20, we're going to speak with David Hobby from strobus.com and talk about using uh, speed light techniques a little bit more. And uh, after talking to David a little bit, I actually broke mine out over the weekend. Cool. Got inspired. Yeah, I got inspired. He inspired me to start playing with my uh, my old speed light again. And it, it was fun outside because it's it's nice and light and it's easy easy to take around and I got some interesting effects with it. Yeah, and I think that's that's exactly the kind of uh situation that David really stressed, you know, just having your your lights with you everywhere you go. So it's a pretty cool interview. Yeah, it's really neat. So we'll be getting to that. But first, um one of the pieces of news that's kind of of interest to me, and I say kind of, because uh, Canon released an update to the 5D firmware, and uh, what was the other camera that? And the EOS 1D 2N. Um, oh, they're going to get it? No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it because the changes that it affects doesn't really affect anything that I do. It looks like it's. Um, a communication with uh, EOS Capture, which I don't use remote capture. Um, the other one is the ETTL metering with the STE2 Speedlight Transmitter and the 580EX, which I don't have either of those two. Gotcha. And enhancements for direct printing with two of the new Canon Pro printer, PIXMA printers that are coming out, which I don't print direct and I don't have a PIXMA Pro printer, so I'm just going to leave my firmware the way it is. Sounds good. But there may be some folks out there that that's good information for. And that's kind of the way I deal with a lot of these, too. I read the firmware update, and you know, I, I don't always look at it as it's something that you really need to have the latest and greatest because some kind of wacky stuff could go on during the firmware update. So if it's not going to affect anything that I'm directly working with, I just leave mine alone. That's probably a good approach. <laughs> if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of cool uh, releases... From the Nikon side, they uh, there's a trial version available for Nikon Capture and Nikon Camera Control. The new versions, the NX version of Nikon Capture is out for trial. So they're actually offering, for the entire month of July, you can download the full version of that software to try it out, which is cool. I Actually, a couple of my friends saw Capture NX in action at one of the trade shows I was at. And they said it looks really cool. They said that it has some amazing, amazing functionality to it. And they're Nikon guys, and they definitely want to They want to get it as soon as it's available. Well, I heard some really good things about it. I actually just downloaded it yesterday to check it out, but I haven't gotten to play with it very much at all. Um, but, yeah, something worth, worth doing if you're a Nikon uh, DSLR owner. And there are a few of those guys out there. Yeah, a couple here and there. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're talking software, ACDC... Um, came out with a new program called Photo Editor, not to be confused with Photo Manager. What's that all about? Well, it's one of those programs where you can go in and like correct red eye and make basic color corrections, things like that. Um, you can also do, you can make like cards, albums, calendars. and It seems like it's really geared towards a lot of the, the scrapbooking crowd. Oh, gotcha. So it's a, it's a little more than just the organizer side of things. Yeah, I don't think it has any organization 
into it at all. I think it's mostly um, geared towards building stuff. That I'm looking at the site, and one of the bold things that stands out is cards, albums, calendars, and fix and create. Oh. So go to acdc.com, A-C-D-S-E-E.com, and check it out if you're, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, today is July 15th, which marks the end of the first official studiolighting.net photography contest. I was just looking through uh, some of the selections this evening, and um, I think I have my favorite. There are a couple of great shots in there, a bunch of great shots, actually. So we want to thank everybody that participated. That was a lot of fun. And there's a lot of them that have come in in the last uh, week or two here. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a lo- it was really great seeing a lot of the stuff that you guys do out there. So keep Absolutely. adding to the pool and uh, and adding to the discussion. And we'll be passing these images on now to um, Christopher Gray and the crew over at ShootSmarter.com. And uh, they'll pick a few winners for us, and we'll get the prize packages out. And we'll, we'll be announcing the winners and the prizes and all that on the August, uh, the first show in August of our Light Source podcast. They're not really interested in getting the prizes. They just want the thrill of competition, right? I think that's probably the case, but we might, you know, Shoot Smarter has been cool enough to give up, uh, us these prizes, so we might as well talk about that too. <laughs> Truth is, I'm really fired up. I think this is a really cool a cool thing to have for a contest prize. So I can't wait to give these, these DVDs out. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I'm excited to see all of the response that we've gotten from it. So thank everyone for participating. Without a doubt. And we look forward to hopefully putting together a couple more of these. So since I'm the one that comes up with the wacky news, it seems like, um, last week it was the Flickr gang sign. I I have an interesting one for you that I, I heard from another podcast. Guess who is now a sports photographer? Sports photographer? I have no idea. Think celebrities. Okay, Janet Jackson. No. Oh. No, I think she has issues with the cameras after uh, <laughs> Super Bowl. But you know, good thinking, though. No, Drew Carey. Really? <laughs> he is, um, it, well, I guess to make a long story short, you know, given his celebrity status, he's gotten alongside the, the sidelines at a number of sporting events. Oh, okay. And he's always taken his camera with him, and he said that he you know, stands alongside there with his 70 to 200 at the sidelines. And a lot of the photojournalists are, you know, hey, what are you doing? You know, oh, I guess he, he takes out a, a, a monopod with him, too. So he looks like a photojournalist out there. That is great. And he's been getting enough um, advice from the guys that the Travel Channel decided to run a show with him and have him be a sports photographer. You know, on his own, and they go and they have him as like a reality show, and he's covering the World Cup. Wow! <laughs> Talk about a big first assignment. Yeah, so he's so they have him shooting the World Cup, and he has to go through everything that a sideline photographer does. He goes out and uh, you know waits in line for his press passes and tries to get there early to get his good spot, and you know rubs elbows with all the other guys, just trying to do his best to. Kind of show, and they during the show it shows you what goes on behind the scenes. And it sounds really cool, and I wish I had the travel channel. We'll see it. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. <laughs> that does sound like a really cool concept for a show. I'll see if I can get my dad to tape them for us. There you go. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's true though. If you hang out with enough good photographers, you start to really pick up stuff. So it makes sense that you know if you spend enough time out there, he'd really get interested. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I don't know if he's going to do anything more with it than just uh, from what he's been doing for Travel Channel, but you know, it's it's kind of cool to hear about celebrities and 
you know, hear that they're avid photographers as well and kind of see what they do with it. No doubt. Keep your eyes out for that show. On this edition of The Light Source, we have with us tonight David Hobby, a photojournalist for over 20 years and a publisher of the website strobist.blogspot.com. And uh, he has some very interesting techniques with um, using portable speed lights. So thanks for coming on the show with us, David. I'm glad to be here. So why speed lights? I mean, why, why focus on, on those so much? Well, it, it's more from a chiropractic perspective than anything. I, I, I carried around <laughs> the... My, my first lights were Novatrons, and I bought them in college, and I was just so happy to have 400 whole watt seconds and a couple of heads to work with so I could just go and nuke everything into oblivion, you know, <laughs> not even taking the available light into account or anything. And, and, and then I kind of progressed to the white lightnings, and I, I had a set of white lightning ultras, which I loved and I used everywhere. But I found that the biggest thing that I found was the, the inertia to carrying big lights with me and setting them up. I, I liked what I got when I lit, but I didn't like the fact that I didn't always have them with me when I needed them. And I always had that little flash, so I decided I was going to learn to use that little flash better. And as it turned out, I found I could do almost everything that I do with the little flashes. Uh, in fact, I haven't used my white lightnings you know, outside of just going in and doing a studio job down at the paper for maybe two or three years now, and I light almost every day. So you're actually finding that you're getting enough power and enough illumination out of the, the speed lights to, to do pretty much everything? Well, you know, it's a different ethic. I, I think that when you walk in with a set of white lightning 1600s or, a, you know, an Ellen Chrome $5,000 or whatever they call their model numbers now, you, 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 tend to, you tend to really try to overpower room light and set up your own, you know, light with a capital L and, and that sort of thing. And, and with the speed lights, it's different. I mean, you, you're forced to take the ambient light into account unless you can find a dark closet with no windows somewhere. <laughs> right. And, yeah, it, it's really kind of a go-with-the-flow kind of lighting and improve it or call attention to something in a picture or, or, or fill in a shadow in an interesting way. And, and by that, I do not mean on-camera light fill flash, which you know, makes every picture you take look like the little example in the Nikon uh, instructions that come into your camera. Um, but but it, it's, I'm, I'm also an amateur audio buff. I, I, I build my own stereo equipment. And, and it just as a, cor- a correlation, some of the guys doing some of the most interesting and really high-end stereo equipment, the amplifiers put out barely one watt of power. But it's a very, very good what. And, and I kind of equate that with the way that I light. And, and what I'm trying to do is more about quality than quantity. And just the, the ethic is to improve a lot more situations than you would if you were just having to drag out the big lights. I mean, I always have my little waist pack, my little stands over my shoulder, and I'm ready to light off camera at a moment's notice and almost always do unless I'm in a run-and-gun situation. Well, I've got a couple questions about your gear then. Obviously, okay. it's important to have you know more than one light with you. Is that true? Do you carry two, three, and what brand, and why did you pick what you what you have in your gear bag? Well, you know that's a really interesting question. I always feel that I've got six or seven or eight lights with me. One of which is a strobe. Um, that that's kind of the way that I work. And I did a, an exercise. I, I I've done a lot of little seminars. I'll go to colleges or a camera club or you know, whatever, and, and one of the things that we like to do after we've been talking about light for a while is say, okay, and how many light sources are in the room? And people look up and, well, there are the ugly fluorescents, so there's one, and there's a window over there, and I remember one room I was in, it was really basically that if you just glanced at it, but when you really start looking around, there are lots of light sources, and then you have reflective surfaces that can double up as light sources, and 
all the time I have a an Icon SB Speedlight with me and a set of Pocket Wizards, which, uh, no, I don't work for them, but you know, <laughs> I, I love them. I, and it's hard to find a pro that doesn't like them, that uses them. And, and I'll have a couple more in the trunk. And, and if I think two lights or three lights are going to be needed, I just go ahead and throw them in my little waste pack pockets and throw the stands on my shoulders. But but I always have that one light with me, the same light you'd put on top of the camera. But you can do, you know, most of what's done on my site is done with one light. Okay. Um, but, you know, you, you're taking into account the light that exists there and you're making it do double duty for you. And, you know, instead of just putting your flash on a camera and shooting fill flash outside when the sun is ugly, why not cross-light using your flash as one light and the sun coming in the other direction and just by altering your shutter speed and your aperture, you can set that ratio wherever you want it. You've got a two-light setup, you know, and, and you're just taking that same normal flash you took with you. You're just thinking about it in a different way. Great. So what kind of modifiers do you take with you then? Oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like, like MacGyver. I mean, you know, where he, he, he sits off in the corner and he's trying to keep the thing from blowing up or whatever, and he, he goes to the refrigerator and he picks up a sheet of aluminum foil and some string and a carrot, you know, and he's going to wonder how he's going to use it. Um, and then he just eats up eating, you know, ends up eating the carrot at the end. But, uh, but I, I'm, I, I love the idea of a found object as a light modifier. Um, my little flash is always with me, the little Bogan 3373 stand, which I just love, which collapses down to nothing, solid legs, which I drill a hole through, put the strap on so I can throw it over my shoulder. Um, I make uh, little cardboard snoots. Um, oh, just backing up for a second, my basic kit is a little stand which compacts down to about 13 inches with a strap on it that wow. goes over my shoulder. Ball bungeed to that, and I'll get back to the ball bungee in a second, is a Westcott double-fold umbrella, which also collapses to the same size as that stand. I slide the umbrella into a cardboard snoot made out of the cereal box cardboard or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of the light from Frosted Flakes boxes, <laughs> the healthier cereals. Um, so the umbrella gets shoved in that so it doesn't just flop around and open up. And I use these little things called ball bungees, which are... It's basically like a ring of bungee cord with a little rubber ball at one end, and the ball hooks around the loop as you wrap it around something. Okay. You know, no no hooks to hurt anything, and that holds everything together. But I can also ball bungee a flash to like a, a branch or or a conduit or I mean, you, they're just you know for for something that costs six for two dollars, you know, because you don't get it at a photo store, you get it at Walmart or Home <laughs> Depot or whatever. Uh, it, it's just fantastic. I mean, I my kids make fun of me. You know, you know how much I like them, but. Um, but so with that little setup, I've got um, I've got the ability to, to direct light, obviously, with my flash, just straight light, which I can zoom the flash head. You know, you can make it a wide 24, you can make it an 85 just by zooming the same way it would zoom if it were on your camera and you had different lenses. Um, I can make it soft light with the umbrella, or I can make it very, very tight little beam of light by sliding that little tube of cardboard onto the flash. And I'll usually have a Stofen or a little Tupperware thing in my waste pack, and that will give me the ability to simulate bare bulb, too, which is really nice for lighting in enclosed spaces. Huh, okay. It's a lot from a little bit, you know? So that's the name of the game, is, is mixing it up. Yeah, and, 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 you know, to me, it's, it's a lot about getting away from the idea that you need, you know, an assistant and a bad back and two cases full of equipment. Um, you know, and, and at the risk of, you know, making some people a little uncomfortable, I mean, the photo gear industry just fits perfectly with that, man, if I just had this, you know, whatever piece of equipment, I could take pictures like this guy because he has it. And and that's really a cycle that never ends if you think about it. And I used to tell my students in class that if they were in a valley 
and 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 up one hill was a fairly young guy in the military, and he had all this weaponry and everything, and uh, all these kind of special guns and all. And then up the other side, there was like this 58-year-old guy who had an old German bolt-action rifle with with two slugs in his waist belt, and that's it. But he also had 50 years of experience. Which side of the mountain would you be scared of? You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's the guy that carries a little bit, but carries a lot between his ears, and that's the ethic that I try to go to. When, when I'm when I'm lighting and, and it really fits well with traveling light, but still having a lot of tricks up your sleeve when you get there. Well, speaking of working working light, I've used a couple of these. Um, actually, before I could afford my alien bees that I've been using, I mm-hmm. um, I'm a Canon guy, so I had a, a 550EX and right. I had a 420EX. Right. And I tried to do a bit of work with those using the infrared system and, and ran into some issues with it. Um, the placement of that second flash and where I could position it. Do you run right. into much issues with that when you're working with them? Well, you know, when I say I use Nikon, it doesn't necessarily I mean mean that I use the current Nikon uh, CLS, uh, which is Creative Lighting System setup, which is a similar system to Canon's infrared setup. Um, it, it's got limitations. You know, it's really neat in that it, it's all self-contained, and the the new cameras with the little pop-up flashes can control it. But it, it bothers me that I can't put flashes anywhere. You know, I can't reach around a corner, for instance, if I'm putting a flash in another room to throw some light through a door. Um, and, and, you know, don't get me wrong, you can do really cool stuff with them. Joe McNally, you know, who, you know, I worship the water the guy walks on, does some really neat things. Um, <laughs> but my flashes tend to be a little further down the economic food chain. Um, my, my very favorite Nikon flash in terms of value for the money is a Nikon SB24 which, you know, is a circa mid-1980s flash. Uh, you can get them on eBay for about 50 bucks. They have a PC sink on the side, which is great because a lot of flashes, including some of those three and $400 flashes from other manufacturers, don't have that. Uh, so, you know, you can hook it up to a, to a PC cord, you know, uh, and, and you've got something that you can dial down in manual, you know, over full-stop or third-stop ranges, depending on the model. So it gives you complete control. And with a pocket wizard, I can buy a pocket wizard and and that flash, for the same price that I can get an SB800. Right. You know, and don't give me they're great flashes. I've got two of them, the SB800s. I use the little modeling like function like a flashlight all the time. In fact, I was light painting today with it in the studio. <laughs> cool. But but oh, if you're just going, to, yeah, if if you're just going out and getting, I mean, you can't buy a Vivitar 283 for what you can get one of those used Nikon SB24s for. SB25s and SB26s are in the similar price ranges too. And the 26 has a built-in slave if you're working in close. I mean, that's that's tough to beat for under 100 bucks. Definitely. So it's safe to say that you're not using a lot of ITTL. No, and and, and I guess ITTL is that the Canon version of Nikon CLS? I was thinking that ITTL was the Canon CLS. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're, and, and they're they're similar setups, and they're really neat. Um, but but the other and, and you know again, I'm probably going to have the Nikon black helicopter guys come over <laughs> my house in a minute for saying this, but. But you're also kind of locking yourself into a system which may or may not be backwards compatible in 10 years. And, you know, I really laud Nikon for not changing the lens mount when, the lens mount when they went out of focus. And, but but you, you don't necessarily know if it's the latest, next greatest thing. And, you know, their job is to sell you cameras, let's be honest. And they make great cameras, and so does Canon. Uh, but, but the way that I'm using my stuff is I've got pocket wizards and I've got manual flashes. And... You know, as long as the laws of space and time and physics are existing, those things are going to work 15 years from now, no matter what I'm triggering them with. So, so I tend to think in terms of once I buy something, I don't have to unbuy it and buy something else to, you know, get with what is new and now and today. 
So again, I mean, I guess I'm just cheap, you know. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> yeah. So that's so, a great but, point. But that, yeah, that's, that's uh, let's call it frugal. Let's, frugal let's be nice. Yes, yes. And, and, in fact, the audio files, they, they, they coined the term frugal files for the guys that will build a full high-end stereo system for less than $200. There you the go. one that'll just scare you. So <laughs> that's great. Well, I'm to trying to, to do that guys. with light. So, so is it safe to say then also that you shoot, I mean, all your camera settings and everything are manual, You, you or do you use meters? How do you do your, is it all intuition at this point for you? Gosh, you know, I, I, it really varies with the subject. If if I'm working, uh, if I'm working available light, I'm 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 not too proud to use, uh, you know, automatic, you know, aperture preferred. I tend so I can choose my depth of field and let the, let the camera work from there. But um, but when I'm lighting, I tend to I tend to narrow things down and and uh, settle into manual and 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 work that way because as good as TTL systems are, and I think with film they got to where they were just exceptional. Right. You know, just before we made that transition. But I really have yet to see the TTL system that can deliver consistent results to me, um, and it's always I always kind of feel like I'm kind of letting it drive, and then I'm kind of steering it a little bit to the right or the left. And if I'm going to do that, I may as well be driving, you know, right. set it up in manual, and just know that I'm going to get what I'm get every time. Now, I don't even use a flash meter anymore. You know, I've got one. If anybody wants to buy it, you know, <laughs> We'll yeah, trade for SB28. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, what, we all have Polaroid backs on our cameras now. You know, my, my yeah. Hasselblad, I used to pop it with a, you know, a bucket shot, and, you know, you got the art director sitting in the back, you know, smoking a cigarette, move the palm tree two feet to the left and get another Polaroid, you know. I mean, <laughs> but, but we get that automatically now. So you've got a spotter downrange on your target. You, you, can, you can immediately see exactly what you're doing. You can fix it one time, and you're good to go, and you're going to stay that way. So, you know, why not use that? Right. Now, what about batteries? How do you deal with that? Well, you know, it, it's I'm a big fan of the Lumidyne uh, batteries. I think they are they're just they're bulletproof. They they just day in and day out they deliver. Um, that said, the main idea is to not carry around a lot of gear. So I've got them, and I will use them. For instance, if I'm shooting a high school basketball game, I'll light half of the gym with two SB units placed up in the middle of the bleachers, pointed towards the top of the key at the far end. Um, and set to half power at a 50 millimeter throw, and that's going to give me a nice 2.8 at 800 ASA everywhere across the whole back half of the court. And I'm going to put those on fast recycling batteries because I'm going to be shooting a lot of frames. Um, that said, I don't use them particularly often unless I'm in a portrait situation where I'm trying to overpower sunlight and I want a fluid just to be able to shoot whenever I want to shoot. You know, the Lumidines are going to give me a one-second recycle, and I can, you know, basically, it's like the lights are plugged in. Oh. Uh, but, but you know, for the most part, I'm using double A's. Uh, and, 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 again, I'm not, I don't soften light that often. I tend to work close to the ambient and hard and snooted and just putting an edge, putting an edge here or balancing out the light there. And, and I tend to hang out in the 16th power range okay. as much as anything indoors. So, you know. I've got a super flash at 16th power. I can just sure. pop all day long. And that helps with recycle time, too, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there is no recycle time That's for, great. for practical purposes. And But, you know, again, you get outside, and you're going to, if I'm going to light against the sun, where I'm using the sun as my rim light and the flash as my main light or, or vice versa, uh, again, I'm going to be up in the half to full power range, and, yeah, I'm going to throw the battery on there and, and allow myself to work in a fluid way and just popping the flash whenever and grabbing that second shot in a second and all that kind of stuff. Now, on your website, you have a lot of uh, do-it-yourself projects. Yeah. What would you say is probably one of your favorite ones that's on there? Oh, gosh. I, you know, 
as far as physically making things, I mean, I think the whole approach is kind of a do-it-yourself approach. It's kind of a zig when other people are zagging kind of approach. But but I will, like, I'm, I'm working on something now, for instance, that will probably be up by the time this uh, this um, this thing airs, uh, which is a, a macro studio in a box, for instance. It's just This just happens to be what I'm working on now, so it's what I'll tell you about. Um, my little boy, who's five years old, has really gotten into to lighting his toys and taking pictures with a digital camera when I'm doing something in the living room, which is which is my little studio when I'm doing macro shots half the time. And and he is always looking, you know, he'll light some kind of paper airplane that he just made or something. And it got me thinking about all the people that are lighting small objects, for instance, to sell on eBay or, or just the little things where you're just – you like small objects more often than you think you do, if you really think about it, right. and, or you should. You should if you really want to get something out of them. Um, so what I'm working on now, for instance, is a box, which is a normal, like an 11 by 14 kind of square box inches. And I've taken, uh, think in terms of taking the open part of the box and pointing it towards you, opening up the box and cutting out what is on the bottom, and you're just going to lay that over something, and you've made this box over something with its open, opening towards you as opposed to opening up in the air. We cut windows out of the top and the sides and cover those windows with tracing paper. Now you've basically got a little softbox set up where you can put light anywhere you want. Or you can slide a piece of white poster board or black poster board into the background or the floor of the box or the sides. And, and, and so now you're talking about something for about five bucks that's giving you with either one of these hot lights that you can get at Target for working in the garage, these tungsten lights or a small flash, complete control over shooting anything you know, up to about you know the size of a I don't want to say a basketball, but a little a little smaller than that. So I just kind of look at the problem, see see how it needs to be solved, and just see if there's a way that I can do it with you know duct tape and and hanger wires. I used to say because it's much more satisfying to me to be able to solve a problem like that than going to a photo store in capital letters and paying 300 bucks for the things that'll solve your problems for you. Yeah, I I really like the the do-it-yourself macro strip lights. I thought oh. that was a pretty cool, slick idea. Well, those are my snoots. I just decided to cut a window in one of them and <laughs> put a little typing paper over it. And, and, and you know, the funny thing is I was doing that to make a picture of a compact fluorescent, which I ended up doing a couple of weeks ago. And they turned out to be kind of useless for that because they didn't control the light as much as I wanted. But I ended up using them for a picture of a lacrosse player. And I put them just in front of his helmet, mounted vertically, one on each side and just out of the frame. And they reached right up in there so nicely, and they painted stripe highlights down on his chrome face mask, every little tube in there, one, a little stripe on each side, and it looked gorgeous. That and is they're cool. sitting, in the, sitting on the back dash of my car, ready for the next you know, <laughs> cool headshot I'm trying to get something out of. you know. <laughs> I really like that shot of the lacrosse player. At, at first glance, I thought it was, um, uh, it was a lot of Photoshop work, but it really isn't. It's a straight picture. It's a straight shot. I think I warmed his face up a little bit, but that's it. That's cool. That's great uh, work. Well, you know, and, and part of it, it, it's neat. If you train your mind to, you know, I've got a little bit of an engineering background, and that's kind of what I was doing before I decided that I'd really rather be, you know, poor and struggling for my next meal for the rest of my life than be a nice, <laughs> comfortable engineer with a sign of pocket protector. But, yeah, the, the, eth- the ethic of solving a problem is always in my mind, and, and whether you're going to solve it through a piece of equipment or whether you're going to solve it by by changing your whatever you're planning to do and, and ditching plan A and going to plan B. I mean, with that lacrosse picture, uh, and I, I'm assuming we can flip and put some pictures up so people will know what we're talking about when we're, sure. when we're doing this. Sure. Um, but I was going to shoot them outside and do kind of an action shot, and I got there and the rain started. So we just ditched into a portico and kind of made up plan B on the spot, and 10 minutes later, we were good to go. That's awesome. 
we're of course talking about your website, which is strobist.com. So tell us a little bit about that site and like, you know, why it's there and what, what made you think that it would be a good idea to put a website together? Wow, that's a that's actually an interesting question to ask right now because I'm in a, a real point of transition with it. Uh, to go to go back a couple of months, I was uh, shooting a uh, football or soccer game or whatever with uh, Baltimore Associated Press stringer uh, uh, Gail Burton, who also happens to be a teacher at one of the local colleges here. And that's something that I had done in the past before my kids were born, and that's something that I gave up with to have more daddy time, you know, uh, and because it's a lot of fun, but it doesn't pay worth anything, which you know, a lot like running a website, actually, I'm starting to find out. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Gail was hitting me up to come talk to her class, and, you know, and I'd love to do it, but geez, you know, I've done the, the, the dog and pony show f-stops and shutter speeds, and this is a flash, and you, know, you point the flash to the ceiling and stick your, your extended hand behind it to use as a bounce card, and they just think you're the most amazing thing in the world. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's neat, but I didn't want to do the same thing for the 200th time. So I decided over the course of the next couple of days that I would put this down just from the very beginning, but I would add to it every time. I put more work into it. And it just kind of – I started as, as a blog. Uh, you can go to blogger.com, and it's a Google-owned company, and you can make your own blog for free. And I just thought it would be a notebook that I could kind of keep. And a month later, I looked down, and I had like 50 things on there, and, and it just started growing from there. And it just that, that the traffic started coming in, and they spread word of mouth. Uh, I put a total of twenty dollars into the into the site, which was to buy an ad in News Photographer Magazine, which was twenty dollars just out the window because it didn't make any difference. And, but I do feel proud that you know, unlike Google and 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 uh, Amazon and, and those guys, I actually made a profit the first month. So you know, I can I can there say you that go. Jeff Bezos and and Sergey Brin or whoever the guys are. But right now I'm at a point where I've got to figure out what to do with it because it's kind of grown into the chicken that ate Cleveland or something. And it's more than just a, a memo for me, but it's not like sports shooter or something like that. And I'm trying to find out some way that it can be something that gives me like some time to still live or sleep or see my kids. <laughs> That's right. It can, it can get to be consuming, as I'm sure you know. Sure, absolutely. What are some of the features on the site that, uh, that you can tell our listeners about that haven't maybe been there already? Well, the first thing I'll tell you is don't go there at 10 o'clock at night before you have to go to work the next day because it's, it's, uh, it's very sequential and it's, it starts you off, you know, like the first hit of crack is free kind of thing, but intellectually speaking, <laughs> you know, the, the, the first place people will probably go if they're new to the site is Lighting 101, which starts with, you know, this is your flash, get it off the camera, and it goes from there and it really never looks back. Uh, I talk about the some of the important features of a flash that you you want to look for. And as you already know, I'm a fan of the Nikon used flashes as far as bang for buck. And then I just I just take you right through it. I mean, you know, here are, you know, starting from day one, here are about 100 things you can do with a small flash. And once you get through the Lighting 101 course, which uh, comprises all those lessons, um, you go from there into kind of an ongoing education, which is something I call on assignment. And that's where just on, on a fairly, fairly reason, reasonably uh, frequent. It, sometimes it ebbs and flows, but I try to do at least one of those a week. Um, I'll put up an assignment, something that I've done, and just totally break it down. How was it done? Um, if I remember to back up and shoot a picture of the lighting scheme, that's, people always ding me when I don't do that. Oh, no, that's but, great. But, yeah, yeah, because you you know, pictures worth a thousand words, blah blah blah. But uh, but what you've got as you work your way through is you know maybe 150 articles at this point on just a bazillion things you can do with small flashes. And, and it just keeps going from there. Now, on the Strobus website, you have a, a lighting boot camp. Now, is this something that uh, you have to travel to Baltimore to attend? 
Yes, and we require that you travel first class because we don't do anything. <laughs> and, no, this is this is a. It's just a simple thing that there's so many people read the site and and backing up for a second. I think that you kind of always feel like you're making progress if you're learning new stuff. And sometimes just reading and learning new stuff is a whole lot easier than getting up your butt and going out and doing something new. And and what I want to try to do is to shame people into actually doing this stuff on their own and, and force them to put it up there where everyone can see what they did. And, and I've designed six assignments, um, two of which have been revealed at this point. Um, the first one was a headshot. And much to my surprise, we had 200 people do the first assignment from all four corners of the globe. And they all put their stuff up on a, a group we've got in Flickr. The links are on the Strobus site. It's easy to get to. And we're following the imaginary track of a successful freelancer working his way up the hierarchy of a magazine. And uh, the first assignment was a headshot because that's kind of like the first date. You know, you can tell a lot from how somebody does a headshot. <laughs> and uh, and the, the assignment we're in now is a found backdrop assignment where they're shooting to what will be a full-page portrait. But uh, every two weeks, uh, you get your new assignment, and then you get a deadline, which is a real deadline. And if you miss it, you missed it. And uh, and you, what you get to do is to see how roughly 200 photographers so far, I, I suspect that it's growing with this next assignment, have done the exact same assignment. Some of which might be, and you know, we got people in Africa, Asia, you know, all over Europe. Um, just really most of the countries in the world at this, uh, this point doing it. And it's a cool thing because once everybody posts their pictures, they start talking to other people about their pictures. Oh, this is neat. How'd you do that? And and now we're even, we have people talking before the fact. I'm thinking of doing this. How would you do this? And it's very viral and interactive and Web 2.0. And, you know, ironically, Web 2.0 because I'm probably the worst coder that ever stepped onto the Internet. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it's, you know, it's clearly, it's a, the inmates are running the asylum kind of setup. And, and we're, all, we're all just doing it. And um, and I strongly encourage anybody to to, to uh to take part in it because it will force you to start to coalesce and, and learn some of the things you've been theoretically reading about and you can't learn it until you do it and you can't really learn it until you teach somebody about it and that's what's in it for me. The website is definitely a lot of fun and worth checking out if you uh, if you haven't already been there. Well, as we're wrapping up here, uh, can we do some uh, rapid-fire questions for you? Sure. Uh, let's see here. Um, well, obviously, digital or film would be the, the first one. You know, I've got a... I've got two Leicas in my closet, and I, I, I need to sell them, uh, but I hate to sell them because there's so much sentimental value attached to them. But I find myself using digital almost exclusively now, and, and just the instant gratification and the ability to fine-tune what I'm getting and know what I'm getting, it, it, it's, it's hard to leave that behind. Okay. Uh, how about your favorite lens? My favorite lens? Yep. You know, that's tough. I, like most photojournalists, I carry a wide body and a long body. Uh, my wide body is a 17 to 35 2.8. My long body is an 80 to 200 2.8. A uh, couple of versions old, I think, maybe one version old. I don't know. I, I, I'm not that fast at replacing lenses. Um, you know, if anything, I probably do most of the work with my 17 to 35 2.8, but, you know, my, my portraits tend to be done with something in the 50 to 85 range. So if I if somebody put a gun in my head, give me a 17 to 35, but... Uh, but I, you know, I'd really rather let the assignment dictate the lens. Very good. Favorite flash accessory. Favorite flash accessory. Well, in, 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 in theory, I would have to say the space between the flash and the camera, because that's the best thing you can do to a flash is to create that three-dimensional lighting by getting it off the camera. Um, as far as bang for buck, I've got to go with the 
frosted flakes, cereal box, cardboard. <laughs> you, know, it's, uh, you know, I can just, how many times have you walked into a church or uh, a cool old building with a window and you just see that beam of light coming in and you're like, yes, man, I'm going to use that and I'm going to do, eight, I'm either going to make it a neat hair light or, or put the guy's face in there and have him look like the angels are singing to him or whatever. Well, you know, you can make that light anytime you want, and it costs you three dollars, and you get to eat the frosted flakes for two weeks. So, <laughs> so you know, that's just it's it's crazy not to have that. It'll fold flat. You can stick it in your pocket. You can wrap it around an umbrella if you're taking something else. But, geez, I mean, you know, for for the number of pictures I made with those kinds of things versus how much it cost, <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me a snoot any day. That's a great that's a great answer to that one. Um, it's snooty answer, I it's guess. It's snooty. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, we always like to ask location photographers what their favorite location for shooting is. So if you had a dream location, where would it be? Well, you know, I, I, I don't travel that much. I'm getting to travel more now that my kids are a little older uh, because I didn't like to be, you know, when your kids are like one and three, it's kind of a it's kind of a rough thing to do to your spouse to leave them a home, you know, at home alone for a week. But uh, <laughs> And I've traveled a lot around the world, and, you know, I love Paris, and there are a couple of towns in Italy that I would give my uh, right arm to retire to. But in terms of just a general location, I, I can give you two things that I tend to use a lot. One is found backdrops, which is something that we're working on now on the Strobus Boot Camp, wherein people will go out, and we had 200 people do the first assignment, which was a headshot, and we're going to be doing this all summer long, and we'll probably still be doing it when the uh, when this uh, when this thing comes out. But uh, uh, a backdrop... You know, studio seamless paper, Savage Thunder Gray. I mean, geez, you know, I'm I'm just so tired and done with that kind of stuff now. Especially when within a 30 minute range of the house, I've got, you know, 50 cool backgrounds cataloged on my laptop that I can go to if <laughs> I want. Five of buildings, barns, rock faces. You know, there are people like us out there, Ed. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, well, you know, I'm not saying you're not weird. I'm just saying you're not <laughs> singularly weird. But so a toss-up between my found backgrounds and a sunset. I think everybody should have uh, a couple of places in their town that are up on a ridge that faces west, and they can just say, "Well, meet me here at eight o'clock, or okay. you know, whenever the sun sets." And and you put that strobe in from the front at an angle, and man, it's just like, you know, there there's 15 minutes of work with almost no money equipment involved, and they look like they belong on the cover of Fortune magazine. There's stuff to go wrong, and it's different every night, you know. That's very cool. I have to agree with both of those. Oh, cool. Favorite photo magazine? Hmm. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, photo magazines per se don't get that much of my interest. Um, I'll occasionally look at American uh, photo, or I remember when it was American photographer. I guess I'm showing my age, but uh, uh, PDN Photo District knows is the industry insider. But when I'm looking for for pictures, I tend to be looking not at photo magazines. Um, my overall favorite magazine, bar none, is Esquire magazine. Which, uh, if you're a guy, it is. It's the best eight bucks you can spend visually for a year. It's ridiculously cheap. It's a fantastic magazine. It's worth reading cover to cover. I hate it when I get home from work and it's sitting there in the mail and I've got a lot of stuff to do that night. Because <laughs> I know that before I go to bed, I'm going to read the whole magazine. <laughs> Very visual. Um, so my favorite photo magazines aren't photo magazines. Wired Magazine, also incredibly visual magazine. It does a lot of neat visual stuff with very ethereal intellectual concepts, which can be a very difficult thing to do even and a mediocre level, and they just they just hit the cover off the ball every month. That's awesome. Well, we've been talking with David Hobby, uh, who runs an excellent website, strobus.com, especially for folks that are uh, looking to get into lighting with minimal equipment, and uh, certainly that's a great starting place for that. And David's got a wonderful selection of articles and 
uh, tutorials and all sorts of do-it-yourself information there. So check out showbiz.com. And David, really appreciate the time you spent with us tonight. Uh, oh, it's good. great to find uh, like-minded weird people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for the things that we talked about on today's show. And there you can also find links about our photography and keep up with the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't forget you can send us feedback or questions about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com. And we'll try to answer those questions on the show or in the lighting questions section on studiolighting.net. You can also get feedback on your photography in our Flickr group, which is at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Till next time. Take care. Let's get into our interview with David Hobby. Sounds great. Let's rub elbows. <laughs> I'm just going to stop it there. <laughs> Or I say something really dumb. Okay. <laughs> cool, man.